This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host... Naz Marchese, how are you this morning, Naz? Good, Wally. How about you? I'm uh, I'm floating on a cloud this morning, Naz. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. The Fighting Irish gave a pretty good beatdown to uh, to uh, the the uh, USC Trojans yesterday, and uh, for all the Fighting Irish fans out there, that was uh, certainly when we can beat the when we beat USC, it's always a great victory. And apparently, there's something. Uh, they they exchange a, a little trophy or something when USC plays Notre Dame. It's called the Golden Shillelagh. So reminds me of the Golden Jack. <laughs> so uh, uh, certainly uh, Notre Dame's off to uh, to a start that they haven't had in a while. And of course, your your Crimson Tide forty four seven over Tennessee. Over Tennessee, and uh, you're decked out in your Roll Tide uh, sweatshirt this morning, Naz, and uh, Raptors hat too. Right? And the Raptors hat. Yeah. I haven't seen that one in a long time. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Looks like a new acquisition, Naz. <laughs> Anyways, uh, just to let I was going to wear the Yankee <laughs> one, but Louis Franceschetti's not here. So, anyways, just to give uh, our listeners an idea where we're going with the show today. Uh, after the first break, uh, about 9.15, we'll be talking to Bruce Garriock, who's uh, one of uh, Canada's premier sports journalists, uh, writes for the Ottawa Sun and the Post Media Network, and we'll be talking to him about Ottawa hockey, sends and leaves from last night, and uh, whatever else uh, might be timely in the hockey world, the middle of the hour, and uh, in honor of your Raptors hat today, Naz, we'll be talking to Leo Routens, a Raptors analyst, Raptors are off to a pretty good start. They haven't beat anybody yet, really, but, uh, hey, it's better than losing. So yeah, we'll... you can't tell how they're going to do with those two games. They're, they're pretty weak teams in Chicago and Philadelphia right now. Yeah, so but we'll, uh, we'll have a chat about Leo and see how he uh, he's sizing up the, uh, the NFL, uh, sorry, NFL, the NBA season and the Raptors season. Uh, last night, uh, Leafs... Uh, Got a little bit of a schooling from the Ottawa Senators in the in the Battle of Ontario. Uh, uh, certainly, it's becoming a battle. The Senators are a very good hockey team, and they proved it in last year's playoffs. And uh, uh, bounce here and a bounce there. They very well could have uh, could have been the Stanley Cup champions, losing in double overtime to Pittsburgh uh, in the in the Eastern uh, side of things before the Stanley Cup final. And Pittsburgh ended up being Nashville, but the Senators. Uh, we're on a bit of a roll at the end of last season and uh, seem to have carried it into this season. So Leafs were up against it last night, and they were up against a very good hockey team. Uh, and as as you pointed out uh, before we went on the air, Naz, not only a very good hockey team, a very well-coached hockey team. Yeah, very well-coached. 
uh, Guy Boucher and uh, General Manager. Crawford. Mark Crawford is there too. Right? Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And uh, General Manager Pierre Dorian. And uh, uh, your assessment of uh, last night's game and perhaps the uh, the the, the uh, week that the Leafs had. The neutral zone trap was in effect last night by Ottawa. They clogged up the middle on the Leafs for two periods. The Leafs finally broke through. And uh, they kept out of the penalty box, Ottawa, and Toronto's power play is lethal, and uh, they weren't allowed to do much on the power play. They did score one goal on the power play, but uh, didn't take too many penalties, and uh, they beat the Leafs, and uh, the right Anderson played in net for uh, Ottawa, I guess. (laughs) Well, you know, it's... uh... You know, sometimes these games come down to goaltending. And uh, last night was, I guess, what you would say was a little bit of uh, hockey, uh, March hockey, April hockey. Uh, wouldn't go so far as to call it May hockey. But hockey, um, you know, Leafs have been pretty successful uh, so far this year, playing what I call October hockey, uh, which is run and gun, more offense than defense, Um and last night they got they ended up playing against a fairly disciplined hockey team, um, but I do want to go back to a game earlier in the week, the the Leaf Washington game, um, and that's that's the type of game if this team if this Leaf team is going to be successful over the course of the season and especially as the season progresses. They've got to learn to win those 2 nothing games, those 3-2 games, those 2-1 games, especially out of town. Um, that will be the mark of a successful Leaf team if they can take this offensive power that they have uh, and turn it into a disciplined and, you know, a disciplined effort. Not that they're undisciplined. They're not undisciplined. But, you know, ultimately you can't – ultimately – Notwithstanding that there's more offense in the in the NHL nowadays, you know the coaching is exceptional. Um, so these eight to five hockey games, the seven to four hockey games, uh, ten to one hockey games, I have to think as the season progresses, those types of games dry up, and you start ending up in these two one three two games to go to overtime, and. And those are the type of games the Leafs are going to have to win if they are going to take this team to a different level. I'm not so sure that that's going to happen, Wally. They, 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 these sticking fractions that they're calling, they're getting teams on the power plane, they're scoring a lot of goals, right? I yeah, just Tampa I, Bay beat Pittsburgh 7-1 last night, 7-8-1. I mean, there's some big scores out there, and that's not changing too much. I wonder if it is going to change. I think it'll taper off a bit. Right, but I don't know if it'll change all the way to the two-one games anymore. There'll be a few of them, but not as many as you think. Well, we'll see. Um, that would be interesting to see how that develops. It'd be interesting to see if they continue to um, uh, send somebody to the box for every little uh, stick infraction. Um, that you know, they've they've tipped the balance over to one extent, and I I, I think at some point it'll return back to a. Uh, a more median level. Um, so, you know, little things they'll get away with. Defense is is going to take over to a certain extent. And, you know, in Ottawa, I, I don't want to say proved it last night. Um, you know, they, they can still play a very disciplined trap game, uh, neutral zone turnovers, a lot of two-on-ones going the other way. The Leafs started... Uh, 
you know, really, really pressing going one way and uh, started coughing up some two-on-ones. And, uh, you know, come, come, come March, when, when points are crucial, th- those types of giveaways will kill you. They'll kill you. Um, they had Ottawa on the ropes in the third period, yeah. though. You know, it was 4-3. And Nylander scored on a power play, and there was a giveaway. I can't remember the defenseman who gave it away for Ottawa, but he gave it right to Marner right in the slot. Marner shot quickly. Anderson makes the save. Marner scores that goal. It's 4-4, yeah. oh. and it's a different ball game last night. Oh, absolutely. Now, you know what? Um, when the Leafs went down 3 nothing, it was, I, I think it was a Broussard scored right near the end of the yeah. second period. Um, you know, those are, the, those are the types of goals that kill you um, right at the end of the second period. But here's the interesting um, the way you, the way I look at this Leafs team last night, uh, and this, this not so much last night, but this season, and good chunk of last season as well, is uh, I've got a totally different mentality about this team, about the Toronto Maple Leaf team. You know, a team from three, four, five years ago, Toronto Maple Leaf team gives up a goal right at the end of the second period. Yeah. they're down three nothing. You know Doesn't what? Doesn't mean anything. Let, let me let me change the channel because this game's over. Yeah. Um, you can't say that about this Leaf team anymore. Yeah. And they were down three nothing, and 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 I, you know, I I thought that they would do something in the third period. I said this game's not over. This team, this Leaf team, literally is never out of it. They're never out of a game. And and on they, you know what? You got to give them credit. They came back in the second period. Uh, sorry, third period, and they made they made like you said uh, a bounce a different way, and uh, you, we could have been going overtime. So. Uh, it was a, it was a learning experience for this team. Um, they've showed that uh, you know they can come back, uh, but they've also showed that uh, there's some work to be done. Notwithstanding the guys at uh, at Bodog, who uh, yeah, they're, they're uh, the favorites. A li- little bit shocked to uh, that they're the Stanley Cup favorites, but uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go along. We're going to go to break right now, and we'll be right back after the break with Bruce Garriock. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. 
This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740 and in downtown Toronto on 96.7 FM. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, one of Canada's top sports journalists. He writes for the Post Media Hockey uh, Network and it has the best Sunday column in the country. We're, of course, talking to Bruce Garriott. Good morning, Bruce. How are you this morning? I'm good, guys. How are you doing today? We're doing great, uh, although I'm lying a little bit. And Naz and I are lying. Uh, lying. We, we're not too thrilled that the Leafs lost the game last <laughs> night, especially in the, uh, in the uh, uh, reincarnated Battle of Ontario with, with, with what we think is a very good Ottawa Senators team. Uh, uh, to a certain extent, an underrated Ottawa Senators team, if we can say that. But uh, uh, your assessment of the of the game last night, Bruce, and uh, uh, and your assessment of this year's Ottawa Senators team, and then we'd like to ask you about the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we'll start off with last night's well, game. Well, I thought it was interesting. I think that one of the things you saw last night was even when Ottawa got up to nothing, you've basically got a Toronto team that doesn't really back down. And, uh, you know, they get up 3-1 and everyone thinks it's over. And then they 4-3 and obviously at the end they kind of put it away there. But I really think if if you look at the Ottawa Senators right now, um, that they went those first few games without Eric Carlson. And I thought they kind of had to battle the odds without Carlson. And um, I really think that that Western road trip uh, where they swept – Western Canada for the first time in franchise history uh, with uh, with a 6-1 victory uh, last Saturday night in Edmonton, and that started with a 6 nothing victory the night before in Calgary in a, in a 3-2 shootout win in Vancouver on the Tuesday. I really think that galvanized them a little bit and uh, made them realize that, you know, they could win without Carlson because I think that when they started the season without Carlson, it, it kind of became to me what kind of came to me that you know maybe they just had to survive without him, and and maybe get a if they could come off that trip with you know a three of six points they'd be in good shape. But I think when they got six of six points, uh, I think they felt good about themselves. I think that there had to be a little bit of an adjustment when they when when they got Carlson back because I think. The the first thing they could have they probably did do was they probably breathed a little bit of a sigh of relief that he was back and it took a couple of games before it got going but uh, but I think what you saw last night is, is pretty much vintage Ottawa Senators they they um, frustrate the opposition uh, they get timely goal scoring but I think they've got some real challenges ahead of them now because not only did they lose Zach Smith. On Thursday, with a uh, with a an upper body injury, um, you know, on Saturday, 
they lost Bobby Ryan to a broken finger, and they say he's at a month, and I think that's something like his fifth or sixth hand injury or, or in the last couple of years, and it's the second time, certainly in the last two years, that he's broken that finger. So they've got some challenges ahead of them, no question, but I know that any time they can beat the Leafs, um, <laughs> I think uh, it's pretty good for this fan base. Bruce, there was a lot of leaf sweaters in the crowd last night. How many were there? Because it looked like blue all over the place. Yeah, I mean, they they, they, they come here uh, because they can get tickets, right? And we all know that the Ottawa Senators have had a difficult time uh, selling tickets here. And um, people, there's been so many, it's interesting, you know, because there's been so many stories and so many questions as to why the Senators are having such a difficult time because, you know, people wanted winning hockey. Well, last year they got to the Eastern Final and and didn't sell out the Eastern Final. This this week in the last couple of couple of uh, couple of home games, they've had crowds in the area of thirteen thousand. I mean, the reality is one of the things that that the Senators have absolutely have to do is raise their season ticket base because there's just far too much inventory to move on a nightly basis and that's been that's been one of the big challenges for the new president Tom Anselmi since he took over is is you know what trying to get it back to the point where when the Leafs come to town you don't have that kind of building because you're right there was an awful lot of blue in the in the crowd last night a buddy of mine sent me a text saying I'm surrounded by blue here <laughs> and and, um, and then he sent me a photo and I went oh my god you are not kidding and uh, so, no, you're right. There was an awful lot of Toronto in that crowd last night. Bruce, uh, they're saying that uh, there's a new arena coming out, in, isn't yep. there? Yeah. Is that going to uh, uh, change that a bit? Because Canada is a little far away for a lot of people making the yeah, trip out there, although I, it has grown grown a bit in, in that yeah. area. No, absolutely it's grown in that area. But I think one of the things that's happened is, and I just, we were having dinner the other night, some, with some of the TSN guys, and this is what, one of the things we were talking about is that, you know, if if you equate their attendance problems to the bid for that arena, um, one of the things I've noticed is that since they said, since they basically said publicly that their arena was too far, their attendance has gone down. Hmm. And, and if people are waiting for 2021, for the new rink to be built, and I think that that um, that might be a little quick, but but certainly that's Eugene Melnick's goal, and that's what he stated publicly several times that several times that he'd like to have his opening night on October 2021. 20, 20, um, you know, Le Breton Flats is is ten minutes kind of west of downtown. Um, it will be accessible by we're getting an O train here next year. Uh, you know, something we've never had. So it will be accessible by what they call the O-Train and and very accessible by public transit. Um, you know, I think that if people are waiting for that, um, you know, it, it, they, there's still a lot of work to be done there. And that if you think about it, guys, it's still at least four years away, if not longer. So I think in the the, the immediate right now, They've got to figure out a way to get people back to going to Canada. And uh, certainly, um, 
if if one of the, the solutions is winning hockey, I think they've done that because I think one of you guys said before I came on that they're kind of an underrated team, and they do. I think they do kind of fly under the radar, and, and maybe there needs to be a little bit more respect for this team. We're talking to uh, Bruce Garriak, who uh, is award-winning hockey journalist, of course, and writes for the Post Media Post Media Hockey columnist. Bruce, uh, we in Toronto. Um, uh, think of ourselves at times as the center of the hockey universe, and it's always a pleasure to talk to somebody uh, who uh, can see us from the outside. And we want a perspective from somebody who's not from Toronto, uh, a, jour- a Canada-wide journalist. Uh, what's your assessment of this uh, of this Toronto Maple Leaf team, uh, and your reaction to them being installed as the uh, Stanley Cup favorites by one of the betting services. Uh, seems like we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but I want an I want an outside of Toronto perspective. I, I I don't think it's I don't think that that is foolish by any stretch of the imagination. I, I I think that one of the things that the center has certainly proved last year is that you know if you win at the right time, you get on the roll at the right time. Uh, you can do it. I, I think one of the things we saw was. They put a heck of a scare into Washington last spring, didn't they? You know, uh, so I think that um, I think that, that the Leafs, to me, are a team that that certainly has the opportunity to win Stanley Cup, and I think they can be considered a contender. Are they considered a favorite? I don't know about that. It might be a little bit early, but uh, but I think that certainly they've got the the pieces in place. I'd like. I'd like to see them add a defenseman, um, but uh, but I certainly feel like you know this 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 the, with the talent they that they've been able to assemble, uh, the, the the ability to score goals. I think Frederick Anderson. Um, I'm, I'm not sure he was great last night, but I think most nights he gives them a chance to win. I certainly feel like you know the the Leafs would be among the teams in the mix, and and the other thing is you know. Pittsburgh Penguins have won two in a row. They've played an awful lot of hockey in the last uh, um, couple of years. If the Washington Capitals, um, you know, to me the Washington Capitals should be the the absolute favorite in the East. But they've got a lot of hurdles to climb, and and I think the Leafs are certainly in that group of teams that that you have to consider. And, and And I know that you shouldn't. I know you say, "Well, you shouldn't get ahead of yourselves," or, but and people get overly excited. But that's just the that's just the way the fan base is. But uh, but I certainly feel like you know they certainly they certainly belong in the conversation. Let's put it that way. Uh, Bruce Ottawa is going to go through a cap issue with uh, um, Carlson and uh, Turris not being signed yet. Montreal, I think, has that problem right now. Do you see those? Where do you see those two teams? You wrote an article on Montreal overnight, and uh, yeah. interesting to say, uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly about the Canadian. Habs in trouble in today's post media newspapers. Go ahead, Bruce. Yeah, no, I, I think that certainly as far as Montreal goes, that they've got the cap room to do something. It's just how do they do it, and how and to me, I look at, at, at Mark Bergevin right now, and in talking to league executives in the last couple of days, which is what I do for that column, 
that they think that that the Habs' best bet is to try to figure out a way to get to Shane right now, and to get Joe Sakic to trade them to Shane. But Duchesne's been been difficult to get. It's just what piece are they going to trade to get Duchesne? And that's always been the difficult part in every deal. As far as Ottawa goes, um, I, I look at Ottawa right now. I do think they'll get tourists signed. I know there's been an awful lot of to and fro about tourists, but uh, but I think that 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 at some point he, he they've offered him five years. He wants seven. You know, you guys know sometime before the trade deadline that these two sides are going to sit down, and I think maybe at that point cooler heads may prevail. But but Turris is going to have to push the envelope a little bit here and and, and get a little bit more involved in the discussions. On, on Carlson's interesting. I mean, they can sit down with him next July first. Uh, I'm sure he's looking at the. Uh, well, I know he was pretty excited when when uh, Connor McDavid got the 12.5 million from uh, from the Edmonton Oilers last summer. He was probably even more excited when Jack Eichel got the 10 million. You know, now it now it's a, a case of where where is Carlson going to fall and in that group. And I I think it's going to be a very very interesting discussion. But I also think it's going to come down to does Eric Carlson want to stay here? And, and and all indications are, you know, in my opinion, I think he wants to stay here as long because I feel like he thinks this team has the opportunity to win. And and um, the one thing that Ottawa has done, and one thing Pierre Dorian has done, and one thing that Eugene Melnick has done is they've been pretty good at keeping their players. You know, the guys that they want to keep, the core pieces, they usually move to keep them. Yeah, we're, we're talking to Bruce Bruce, and we won't keep you much longer. It's a beautiful Sunday. Uh, yeah. Sunday, we want to let you get on with your day and enjoy enjoy the weather. And, no, no, and no worries. Have a fantastic day. But just one other one other issue that came out of your column. Uh, I, it's it's always a routine of mine to pick up the Sunday Sun on the way down here, the Toronto Sunday Sun, and uh, of course you've got a column in there and in all Sun newspapers today. And we're talking about uh, we're starting to ramp up the John Tavares uh, discussion. And uh, yeah. interestingly enough, Bruce, this year where uh, Naz, my co-host here, ha- tends to be provocative at times and uh, stirred up the Steve Stamkos Toronto debate uh, a few years back, and has been stirring up the Tavares uh, Toronto debate. Uh, but uh, I, I, I tend to have to throw douse uh, Naz's uh, throw a little water on him, but. Uh, where's, what's, what is the Tavares story, and what are his options, and what's the, uh, what's the inside scoop and where he may end up? Well, it's interesting because, you know, if you look at, at – um, I think people are going to make the connection uh, with Montreal simply because they have the cap space to do it, right? And uh, I think Tavares has a real difficult decision ahead of him here, and I, I, I would have been like uh, – Naz, I would have said that Stamkos was going to Toronto when all that happened. And then he stayed put. And that's just a point that general managers have made to me, is that everybody thought Stephen Stamkos was gone. And he ended up taking a little less money to stay in Tampa. Um, and I guess at some point, I mean, how much money do you need, right? And um, I think that this is the decision that Tavares has to make. And I think that 
that that that that one of the things that John, that John has to do is he's got to sit down with the, the Islanders and see exactly what the direction is because they they keep talking about they're going to move out of Brooklyn and that's fine but if they move out of Brooklyn and I think they've been talking about going to Belmont they're four years away from a new arena and if they're going to take four years to to put the pieces in place to help him win now then then the, the belief is that. John Tavares will move on, and I can't, I can't see the Leafs being a fit because they're going to have to pay off to Matthews. They're going to have to pay Marner. I mean, they're going to have to do some things with who they've got right now, right? I mean, one of the things that's going to be interesting next summer, and I wrote about this in my column a couple weeks ago, on July 1, after Eichel got his extension, on July 1, are the Leafs now going to now going to have to extend Austin Matthews out right away? I think they are. Right, because uh, Peter Shirelli did it with uh, with Connor McDavid. Uh, Buffalo did it with Eichel, and that they had a year year each left on their contract, but they they got the extension. And I think that's where the Leafs, you know, for them to go after a big name free agent this summer like Tavares, I think it would be very very difficult for them. But if you look at a team that has cap space, a team like Montreal certainly has the cap space to do that right now. We've been talking to award-winning sports journalist uh, Bruce Garriock, who's been with the Senators since day one. Bruce, I'm going to let you go simply by uh, uh, repeating something you say at the end of your column. Very, very simply. Bruce, have a nice Sunday. You too, guys. Have a good day. Thanks so much. Thanks, Bruce. Take care. Uh, That, of course, was Bruce Garriock. I think you made a really good point at the end, Naz. How do you fit Tavares on a team that you've got to sign Matthews, Nylander, and Marner? He made an interesting interesting comment about Matthews, and he's right. I never thought of it until he mentioned it. They should sign him sooner because the price is going to go up if they don't also. And then it'll affect the. When cap. you're saying sooner, you're saying before July, during the season. At, I, the, I end, can't, I, at the end of the season. At the end of the season, they signed him. Well, because hopefully they sign him, Hopefully, the end of the season's near the end of June. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> we all hope that, right? Yeah, because I, can, uh, I can't. I can't see Shanahan and Lamorello negotiating. No, with no, Matthews. not during the season. At the end of the season, they signed uh, Matthews before sign July first. Yeah, because they'll sign him a year early, right? And they'll extend him, and it'll, it'll end up costing him less money. I think he's right. Matthew should yeah. be signed. Fascinating interview with Bruce. He's one of he's one of uh, one of the brightest minds in sports journalism, and uh, some really really good points. Hopefully, we can get him back uh, get him back soon to talk talk hockey. It's time for our break. We'll be right back after the break, talking basketball with Leo Routens. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language. No matter where you are from, call Pizzaville at 736-3636 or visit pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. 
At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. And if you're driving around downtown Toronto, it's going to take you a little bit more time. We've got a, we've got a, a marathon down by the lakeshore this morning, and it's plugging up traffic down here. So uh, be forewarned. Anyways, we're pleased to welcome to the Nazawali Sports Hour, uh, Raptors TV analyst and affectionately known as the kid from Keel Street. That is, of course, Leo <laughs> Routens. How are you this morning, Leo? I'm great. How are you this morning? We're doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, uh, Leo, the Raptors are off to a 2-0 start. Uh, just very, very simply, um, your uh, your observations. I'm excited about what I'm seeing. Um, you know, going into the season, a lot of people, uh, the so-called experts, were downplaying the Raptors' chances in the Eastern Conference, which uh, I completely didn't understand. Uh, to me, this team is better than last year's team, and several reasons for that. One, you have your core intact. And these guys have been through a lot of wars, and there's no substitute for having, uh, you know, uh, your core group of guys staying together and and, and uh, being committed to to winning. I think the Raptors uh, have gotten better in other ways. Some addition by subtraction. Uh, some clearly by having a player like C.J. Miles who can really shoot the ball in the lineup. I think the young players have really developed, uh, and that was a big question mark. You know, what, what's the bench going to do this season? The second unit. Um, so when you put it all together, I, I, I think uh, that combined with the commitment to moving the basketball uh, and playing a a better team game, I think is going to bode for a, for a tremendous season for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I'm excited about the year. Leo, there was talk about a change in style of play. Have they done that so far? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's a focus on just better ball movement. You know, get the ball up the floor quickly. Uh, don't pound the basketball with the dribble. Move it. Uh, create for one another. Uh, have better spacing on the floor. Uh, you know, obviously shooting the three is a is a big thing in the NBA today. Uh, so the Raptors are doing their best to just to create great shooting opportunities for one another. Uh, and the idea that you know if you shoot it freely and shoot it with confidence uh, and you shoot it often enough, you're going to make a make a higher percentage and and a good percentage of those shots. So they're definitely committed to to a, to that style. 
Um, and, you know, contrary to what people think, uh, you know, with the idea of moving a ball and getting threes, you're also going to get a lot of good inside touches. You're going to open up the floor. You're going to have great spacing. You're going to allow an opportunity to get in the paint. Uh, and you're going to have to involve your bigs. And we're already seeing that with Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka. Um, that's one of the byproducts of great movement and great spacing. Uh, you involve your bigs. You play inside out. And I think all that's, uh, all that's starting to show. And you just have to hope that that continues all season long. Out of all the young guys uh, that are out there, who's been the most impressive to you? Well, they've all, quite honestly, uh, these guys have all shined. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that uh, Raptors management felt confident to move Corey Joseph to get C.J. Miles was the development of DeLon Wright and Fred Van Fleet. I mean, the backcourt, these guys have shown that they can handle the point. They can play on the floor together. Uh, which is big for Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan to have a break and get these guys on the floor. Uh, they move the basketball. They defend. Uh, the bench has actually you know, been, been instrumental in changing the games in the first two games, and these guys are a big part of that. Um, Jakob Pertl, uh is a big man that just has a great feel for the game, and he, you know, he's done a great job. Uh, Lucas Nagara came in yesterday when Jonas Valanciunas sprained his ankle. Uh, started the second half and impacted the game dramatically uh, in the third quarter. So I'm, I can keep going down the list, but, but one by one, these guys have all uh, shined. Even rookie uh, OG Ananobi, here's a guy that uh, wasn't even going to be in the picture till you know November, maybe maybe December, late December. Uh, and not only is he in the picture, but he's playing well. Uh, he had an ACL surgery last year and. Uh, he's way ahead of schedule, which uh, tells you that he's put in the time, put in the work, uh, and he's showing that he, he's down the road here, and, and very quickly he could be a, a big factor for this team, especially when you consider what we're seeing right now. Uh, he's only at probably 75 80% physically, uh, and he's making an impact in the game. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot of good young players in this team, and, and I think that's something that's gone unnoticed over the past few years that, Raptors are one of the few teams, and I mean few, in this league that are focused on winning and trying to be one of the top teams in their conference. At the same time, very youthful and focused on development. And when you have that balance between the two, that tells you you're going to have longevity and long-term impact uh, in your franchise, uh, where not a lot of teams can say that. A lot of teams either age out or they're too young. And the Raptors have kind of the best of both worlds. The one thing that's being uh, unnoticed by a lot of people is the 905 team. How important is the 905 team to the development of the Raptors? Oh, it's huge. I mean, you could see a big, big change in what's been happening. Uh, you know, from the time the Raptors were able to get the 905 here in Toronto. One, it's in their backyard. So you can monitor all the players that you're developing, uh, you know, right down the street, basically. Uh, which is which is a huge thing. In the past, you'd send them off to another team, another part of the country, and you're really not on top of it. Uh, the fact is, in 905 won the championship last year, and you know they're basically running the same stuff. So if a kid, and and what what you do is, you know, if you're not playing much, uh, you get stale, you get out of shape, you don't you don't your confidence isn't up. Last year, Jakob Pertl, you know, Fred Van Fleet, uh, pa- Pascal Siakam, these guys all went down played some games, and came back. Uh, sometimes they play a game in the afternoon in Mississauga, and they come right back and play with the big team at night. 
all that allows you to, you know, to, to continue to develop. And the fact that what Jerry Stackhouse, the coach of 905, is doing over in Mississauga is exactly what Dwayne Casey is trying to do here. And so these players are running the same plays. They can even experiment. They can even try some things out maybe Casey wants to do, try them out in that environment, see how they work, and then implement them uh, on the Raptors. So having a, a, a development team in your own backyard, uh, you know, much like baseball has been doing it for years and the whole NBA is going in that direction, it, it can't do anything but make you a, a better organization. We're talking to Leo Routens. Leo, you were, uh, you were the first Canadian ever drafted in the first round of the uh, NBA draft. You were a coach of Canada's national basketball team for a few years. This year, there's 12 Canadians on NBA season opening rosters. Uh, surely that's got to be a record. Um, your comments on that? Well, yeah, last few years, uh, Canadians are uh, the highest number of players outside of uh, Americans in, in the NBA. So uh, it's a great sign, and the best is there's more coming. Um, there, there are more players coming up uh, that are going to be drafted in the NBA, and you know, we've entered a, a very special time uh, in our basketball history that uh, uh, the game is growing by leaps and bounds. There's uh, tremendous, tremendous programs throughout the country, uh, you know, high school, prep school, uh, all that happening in Canada. And uh, these kids now have an opportunity to get coaching, development, uh, exposure, and, and uh, we're seeing it all come to fruition. So uh, as good as it is now with players in the NBA, uh, it's only going to keep getting bigger and better. Uh, and also, too, you know, we don't just have players in the NBA. I mean, in the past, you know, we had, a, we had some guys playing, you know, uh, just role players. Now we have guys playing prominent roles on teams, uh, scoring points and, 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 you know, being key rotational players. And, you know, that's very different. Uh, from the past, uh, where you had maybe had a Steve Nash and then some other guys, you know, playing a role. Now you got now you got guys that are, like I said, key rotational players, uh, and that's uh, and that's great inspiration for all the other kids watching and uh, wanting to pursue the same dream. Can we expect uh, that uh, this is going to show up um, in the near future in in greater success for? Canada at the international stage. Can you can you foresee the day perhaps where Canada is competing for a medal at the Olympics? Oh, absolutely. I, I think when you look at athletically, you know, the United States, you know, is able to just pool players together uh, and go out and just dominate because they're so talented and so athletic. Uh, we are getting to that point in Canada. Uh, you know, you're you're soon going to be able to have a large pool of players that you can bring into a camp. Um, and even have a secondary pool that can play against that primary one. Uh, so you have a resource of, say, 24 players that you can, you can at a given time, you can, you can, out of all these guys, put together for a national team uh, that also have some, some amount of experience at that level. And that's critical because, you know, on a summer-to-summer basis, it's very difficult to have the same guys play because of contract injuries, fatigue, and all those other factors. So, you know, one of the great benefits for the United States is to have this large pool. And some of the more successful teams internationally, uh, same thing. They have, they have a, a pool of players that have a tremendous amount of experience. So if uh, several players can't play in a certain summer, uh, they don't have a major drop-off. The only issue right now is the, you know, FIBA has changed the qualification methods. 
And for two of the stages, it's four stages during the course of the year, and two of those will not involve NBA players. Um, and that's where it becomes increasingly difficult. Uh, now they've widened the, the, the ability to get into the tournaments. Uh, they're allowing more teams in, but at the same time, uh, it, it really focuses the national programs on uh, developing other players, finding other players, whether it be college, international, uh, whatever, to fill in the gaps when the NBA players can't play. So, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's going to make it more challenging. But to answer your first question, that once, uh, as this pool keeps growing, we're going to be on the level, uh, you know, closer to the United States than anybody else. I've noticed Andrew Wiggins has really filled out, Leo. Uh, what's your impression of him? He signed a big contract. What is he going to do for us? Well, Andrew Wiggins is a tremendous talent. Uh, you know, he's gotten better every year in the NBA. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a he's a big time scorer. I mean, he's averaging twenty plus a game, and uh, he's capable of big nights. Uh, and and now he's got uh, you know a better surrounding cast, and, and that's going to be the big thing. Uh, you know, you know, obviously he's physically he's growing, maturing, getting stronger. Uh, but you know, when you're losing a lot, uh, sometimes your numbers get skewed. And I think the big thing going forward now for Andrew is impact winning. Um, and with the better supporting cast, hopefully uh, he's going to be able to do that and the supporting cast is going to allow him to be more successful. Um, and, and I think that that's the important thing. You know, sometimes when, you, when, you, when you're on a losing team for too long, uh, you just, you just kind of get in the habit of going through the motions because you know you can get your numbers uh, hopefully now Andrew will be in a position where he's playing for something, you know, to be a playoff team and uh, and hopefully to have success in the playoffs. So that's the next step for him. But you're talking about uh, just a uh, absolutely tremendous talent. Uh, he's got size. He's got so many uh, unbelievable athletic skills. Uh, he can shoot the ball. Um, you know, he's got a chance to. He's got a chance to be an all star in that league. Uh, we're talking Leo Routens. Leo, we're going to – one last question before I let you go. We're going to go back to the Raptors. Um, where do you foresee this season going? What are, the, what are the strengths of the team going to be? What are the weaknesses going to be? And uh, where do you see the Raptors uh, finishing up in their, in their conference? Well, I, I, I said it before. I've said it again. I think this is a top three team. I think Cleveland, Cleveland is the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. And then, uh, you know, everybody was talking about Boston – I'm not, I was never, I didn't buy into the hype, even with Gordon Hayward before he got hurt last week. Um, I still think the Raptors, uh, in my mind, are a better team. Uh, now with his injury, that certainly is going to affect Boston. Um, you know, I, I think you look at Cleveland, you know, Toronto, Washington, uh, Milwaukee's going to be a dangerous team with the, uh, with the rise of uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, you know, the, but the Raptors are right up there, and I think the key is going to be that they they stick with the plan right now. Uh, realize that what hurt them in the previous years was their to make shots and move the ball and keep the game simple. Um, so if they can continue to play the way they've started out this season and and only get better at it during the course of the year, um, I, I think that they're going to be able to achieve their goals and and hopefully get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and, you know, if you look at any weakness, I would say the weakness going into the season was what is the second unit 
uh, going to bring to the table. And again, based on what we've seen already, and I realize you're only looking at a at a two game uh, window here, but uh, if the if the second unit provides the same kind of punch uh, and plays with the same kind of confidence as we're seeing already. Um, that second unit is not going to be that big concern that everybody came into the season worrying about. Uh, we're going to find out a lot. You know, Raptors in the next six games are heading out west, and you know they start out with San Antonio and Golden State on that trip. So it's going to be a, a grinder of a trip. Um, you know, a 12-day trip and the tough games on the road. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna find out a lot about this club uh, in, in this next two weeks. So. Uh, I'm excited, though. I, I really think that uh, fans are going to enjoy watching this team, and uh, I think a lot of experts are going to be proven wrong uh, as far as their predictions on what the Raptors are going to do. Leo, we want to thank you for joining us. I know you're excited. Uh, we're excited here, too. Naz excited. He's, un, un, uh, he's donning a Toronto Raptors cap this morning, so he's excited about the nice, season. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. So we'll stay in touch, my friend, and... Uh, and uh, go Raptors, go. Let's hope it's a great season. Thanks Sounds so much. Great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's always All a pleasure, right. Leo. Thanks so much, uh, Leo Routens. Anyways, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, why, don't we, uh, why don't we take some calls, Naz? Uh, we can get some listeners on the line. I'll read out those numbers. 416, if you want to talk sports uh, with us on the line, questions or comments, give us a shout at 416-360-0740. Or one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. Read those ones out really quickly. Uh, once again, four one six three six zero zero seven four zero one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. Naz, yesterday afternoon I was flipping channels and managed to. Uh, I was flipping the channel and came across the Argos game. Yes, sir. They and won 20, 30, 29. There's, or something like that. And yeah. uh, something very interesting happened at the end of the game. It's, it reminded me about the old days in the CFL. And uh, it was, I think it was the last play of the game. And uh, th- this is what makes the, uh, the CFL so what fascinating. What happened? The single point thing? No, I, I apparently um, uh, the Winnipeg tried to kick a field goal on the last play of the game. And the uh, the Argos had their punter in the end zone. Yeah, yeah that's what I meant. So he, he grabbed. So the punter uh, the punter grabbed the ball and he kicked it out of the end zone and uh, kicked it out of bounds and the game was over. And uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's it's I had to look twice there because I thought I was I thought I was watching I thought I was watching Bernie Filoni out there, <laughs> the old Hamilton Tiger Cat, because that's uh, you remember those those games from the sixties used to kick it in the end yeah, zone. Yeah, and kick it who was, back. Who was the kicker for the Toronto Argos? It was Dave, Dave Mann. Mann. Dave Mann. <laughs> I remember this one game. They were kicking it. They were kicking it into the end zone, and Dave Mann kept kicking it out, and they kept kicking it back in. They must have kicked it in and out about three or four times. I mean, that was the beauty of the CFL. Anyways, uh, we seem to have attracted some interest, so we've got a couple of callers on the line. If you're on, we'll try and get to you one at a time. Uh, if you can be patient, that's great. We'll see what we can get in before the show is over. I believe we have from Etobicoke. Uh, Mr. D. General, Mr. D. General, are you on the line this morning? Hey, good morning, gents. What's going on? Well, you tell us what's uh, what's on oh, your mind. Oh, I miss you guys. I haven't talked to you in a while. You guys have been busy. Great guests. Great, uh, you know, great shows that you put on. So, but I've, uh, but I've been listening intently, and uh, I gotta admit, I gotta, uh, I agree with you uh, for the first time in a long time regarding the Leafs. Now, 
Here's my question, and I'll leave it up to you guys. Are the Leafs that good, or is the league this bad? The games I've been watching out west, and even uh, you know, on our side of the uh, the uh, the pond over here, uh, there's a lot of flip flops back and forth, and, and I don't see any consistency. I don't see anybody coming out of the pack. So, in light of that, I think the Leafs got as good a chance as anybody else this year to uh, to start their parade plans. I don't know. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Ness. Yeah, the parade plan started a long time ago for me, but it's never happened. But uh, <laughs> I think they have a legitimate shot, too. I, I really do. Uh, there's a few teams that are in that uh, same situation. Look at the LA Kings. They started out uh, undefeated, and they played the Leafs tomorrow night. And who would yeah, have like, thought they would have bounced back? Everybody said they were going to be an older team, and they, they wouldn't do anything, and look at them. So you, you don't know. You just don't know. Well, my theory, uh, and, and that's a, that's a really great, uh, question comment uh, and my theory on sports in the modern era in the salary cap era um, is that when the season starts there are potentially in the NHL potentially 20 to 23 teams that could potentially win the Stanley Cup maybe 23 is on the high side let's say 15 to 20 15 to 20 teams have a shot of winning the Stanley Cup depending on which way the puck bounces, which way who gets injuries. There are the days of the of the dynasties and super teams I believe are gone, notwithstanding the remarkable achievements of the Pittsburgh Penguins by winning two years in a row. And if they manage to win it this year, well, I, I'd put that on par with with a five in a row uh, 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 of of the old teams because in today's salary cap era, I mean you got players coming in and out, uh, and then it depends on injuries. There's and you know there's probably five teams at the top of the pack, uh, but you know it depends on their goaltending, and depends on who gets injured, and do the Leafs have a legitimate shot of winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but they certainly have the talent up front. I think through their top 12, they are probably as good, if not better, than any other team in the in the league, Naz. Maybe you... Uh, are they better you, than any other team in the league up front? Yeah, yeah you know, they don't... You know, you know perhaps uh, Nylander and Matthews aren't yet Crosby and Malkin, they're pretty uh, close. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, you know, Leafs, if, if Frederick Anderson is able to take his game to, uh, I think he's got he's to take his game to a little bit higher level, and their defense matures, um, they've got a legitimate shot. I wouldn't classify them as one of the favorites. I think the, the Bodog line's a little bit ahead of itself. But um, certainly it's going to be an interesting season if they stay away from injuries. Uh, who knows what this team can do? I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. Naz, I'm being told we've got 30 seconds left. I usually give you the last word. Uh, this is a sh- shout-out to the boys. I don't know if uh, my kids are uh, in Buffalo yet, but they're going to the Buffalo-Tampa game today. And go Bills, go boys. We didn't get a chance to talk about the Bills. We didn't get a chance about to talk about the Dodgers-Astros. And congratulations to TFC. Uh, they have finished first. Uh, today's their last game. They're going into the playoffs. We wish them all the best. It's been another great week on the Nazamali Sports Hour. To all our loyal listeners, we'll be back again next Sunday morning. Be safe. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.